Welcome back to Two Dudes, Three Legs with your host, Zach Dingy. Tony Capaletti. Today, we have two very important guests, important to my life, my mother and my Aunt Sinead, both survivors of breast cancer. We have a very in-depth conversation about their experience where they give major, major keys to other people who may be going through this journey. You're going to like this one. And tell the NFL to bring back pink socks. <laughs> Oh, you fucking want to be famous. <laughs> Guys are looking sharp. Zach Dingy. Tony Cavallari. Two Three Legs Podcast, where we share business tips, interview experts, and travel the world. This week on Two Dudes, Three Legs. So, as of two weeks ago, you were declared completely free of cancer. Correct. Can you tell us about the importance of going and getting screened? Yes. Um, I have two sisters that have had breast cancer. So because of that, I went every six months for a screening. And because it was my it was a family uh, in my history, they also did an ultrasound. And I've been doing it for years. Never had a problem. How often? Every six months. Mm, that's where you're always sneaking off to. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it wasn't going to happen to me because I'm older than my sisters. And I thought, you know, I missed that part. But... No, I went and I had my regular mammogram and ultrasound. And about a week later, I got a phone call from the tech and she said, we need you to come back to repeat your ultrasound because we saw something, but it could be skin, whatever. So I wasn't nervous. I wasn't even thinking about anything else because they've often done that in the past, you know, repeated it. So I go back and you know the technician said the doctor's here today so he's going to read the mammogram when we're done and one of two things are going to happen either they say fine go home or they're going to want you to see the doctor so she put me in my little waiting room after the exam and um, a few minutes later she came in she said the doctor wants to see you and i knew i knew then that mm -hmm. you know it was cancer so he had said to me at that point look we don't know anything yet. We see something. We have to do a biopsy. So then I went for the biopsy, which is quite painful, actually. And um, while I was waiting, I was Can getting, you tell us exactly what they do during the biopsy? Well, it's done by a computer. And they, they numb it up. And then they inject some kind of or, uh, instrument that kind of pinches it, I guess, and then pulls it out. Mm, to so, pull like a sample? Yeah, okay. of that tissue. Um, and uh, so he said he was gonna do the biopsy. Again, I knew in my heart that it was cancer. And I was receiving literature in the mail from the hospital talking about cancer. So I saw all these red flags, you know? So the day that I had to go back. Wait, what? You were getting mail? There were, I was getting stuff in the mail from the hospital, like from my doctor. About cancer? Yeah. In between the breast time you cancer, went yeah. and came back like from I the saw biopsy. The word, I saw the word breast cancer in some of the literature. It wasn't, you know, it directed wasn't for me. You? It wasn't oh. directed at me at all. Oh, just signs from but God. But these were the red flags that I saw. Mm -hmm. Okay, I said, yeah. you know, I never got this letter before. Mm -hmm. So... I went back and she said that uh, you have what's called ductal carcinoma in situ, which is the type of cancer, it's sta it was stage zero. Thank God, Thank God, the importance of screening. We caught it early. I didn't have it six months prior. Hmm. So 
Um, and then she explained to me what that was. And um, it's, it's contained in the duct. I have a... Bring out the lit, Ma. She doesn't okay. leave the house without literature. So this will explain <laughs> it a little bit. It's upside down. Yeah. There yeah. You go. There you go. So ductal carcinoma in situ. This is a normal duct. This, oh, what, what is a duct, Ma? That's the... What would you... Inside in your breast tissue, you have um, the the ducts that hold the, the milk duct. Oh, okay. The milk ducts. So that's where the cancer can begin. Mm. Mm, okay. In the, in the ducts. So this is a normal duct. This is what I had where it was contained. And the purple is the cancer, I The saw. purple is the cancer. Mm -hmm. And this one is a little more invasive where it left the duct. And then it travels into the breast and becomes stage one, stage two, depending on when you find it. And it'll begin to spread. If you don't find it for a long time, you know, you could be dealing with a more serious type of cancer because it spreads. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when you found out, um, what was the doctor's first bit of advice they gave you? Well, I don't know about advice, but they proceed right away. I think two days later, I saw my doctor and my um, reconstructive uh, plastic surgeon, two days later. And with that, I had to have a decision. I had to make a decision as to my treatment. Mm -hmm. What um, were the options? The options were, number one was a lumpectomy, where mm -hmm. they go in like the biopsy and they, they remove the ducts. And they, you know, they do margins around it to check, make sure there's no cancer there. Um, so if I did that, I would have had to have radiation. Mm. Uh, my next option was a single mastectomy where they remove the whole breast. Just one of the breasts, mm -hmm. the one that had the cancer in it? Yeah. Okay. And the other option was a double mastectomy. And you opted for the double? Well, it was the hardest decision I ever had to make. Oh, I remember. I was there. I... It took me three months. My initial, my initial decision two days after hearing it was do a double mastectomy. I don't want to deal with this, you know. Mm -hmm. Just eradicate any. Yeah. And then I, I was thinking, maybe that's too much, you know. Yeah. Maybe I really don't need all that. And I'm going to put myself through this surgery. Um, so then I kind of went back to a lumpectomy with radiation. But the radiation really turned me off. Yeah. I think you made the right decision. Yeah, we discussed that. I hate the idea that. of you going through radiation. Yeah, that yeah. That to me sounds like torture. And I figure if, if I'm going to get, you know, have one removed, I might as well have them both removed because I don't want to worry about getting cancer later in the other breast. So that's the big risk with doing the single mastectomy is yeah. that it could come back in the other breast. Correct. And now didn't that happen to one of your sisters? No. I think that... No, I had um, breast cancer stage 1A in my right breast, and I had precancerous calcifications on my left breast. Oh. So I had to have both my breasts removed. Right off the bat? Right off the bat. Now, Siobhan didn't have it where it was? <clears throat> Siobhan had stage 3. And in 1? In 1. Mm -hmm. And she had a mastectomy? Or a, a single, single mastectomy. Single mastectomy. Does she still have her other breast now? Yes, she does. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that was 10 years ago? That yes. was, yeah, a little over 10 years ago, but they reconstructed her 
breasts to make mm. the, you know, them look like. Mm-hmm. And I just finished, completed reconstruction seven years later, just January, just gone. I just reconstructed oh, both you, breasts. This January mm-hmm. that just passed for you? Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So that three out of four sisters mm-hmm. had breast cancer. Correct. So you're genetically predisposed to well, have Well, I... I was had genetic testing, so did Sinead, we all and so did my sister testing. Siobhan, and we all, we were all negative. Uh, I'm calling bullshit on that. When? Well, oh. I, let me explain something. <laughs> when you have breast cancer, they then genetically test you? Because well, there's a gene called a BRCA gene mm. that females carry, and mm. can, it's hereditary. Got it. And it's, you know, when you get that, people do radical hysterectomies and, and um, mastectomies because... They're predisposed. Yeah, they to want it. to get rid of it before it happens. Yeah. So what? we were negative, but also the guy that did the testing said to me, you know, they, these tests are pretty new, mm. and he said there's got to be a connection between between you three sisters. So mm-hmm. he said basically they don't know what it is. What was time. the timeline? I feel like it all happened so quick. For it you. was so quick. Yeah. Like Three months. From when you were diagnosed were to when to you surgery. had the double mastectomy. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that wild? That's insane. Five months ago, none mm-hmm. of this existed. Mm-hmm. Now your story is a little slightly different. It's a little more <laughs> radical. Yeah. <laughs> Tell Why us. don't you give us uh, your, you know, from discovery to? The so end of it. I was diagnosed March 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, with stage one in my right breast, um, precancerous in my left. I decided immediately, and well, I had no choice. It was a double mastectomy, which was fine. I totally accepted it. That was great. Uh, I had my double mastectomy. My doctors were wonderful. My breast surgeon, Dr. Chatterjee from Mount Kisco in Northern Westchester Hospital. She was amazing. Shouts out to her. Um, <laughs> and then I had uh, expanders put in, which they put in in order to reconstruct your breasts they, so that it you can have the skin, it stretches the skin so that yep. um, implants can be put in mm. um, I was recovering great and then in the June I got a staph infection oh. and that knocked me so then I had to take out the right expander and then when they took that out I had a huge hematoma so I had to go back for surgery for another year they had to go straight back in for surgery to have that hematoma removed oh, then um, I was struggling to get better from that for a long while. And then I had um, irregular heartbeat, oh which they said from the stress of everything in my body, that is, but I must have had a weakness in my heart somewhere, but the stress of everything in my body then. So I had to have a heart ablation then in the December. And then the following March or May, I want to say that we tried to put in the expander again in the right breast and that was successful. And then we put in implants and I rejected them. Oh my God. So they had to come out. So then my body was just, I was just surgery after surgery. And after that surgery then as well, it was the hematoma, another hematoma after that surgery. What what is that hematoma? The hematoma is a blood clot, but it was a huge blood clot. It like filled my breast. It was, it's a, it's a big clot. So I hope I have that right. (laughs) That is what it is. But that's my understanding. (laughs) I'm not very good at all the medical terms, Mm -hmm. but, um, so then I decided my body had been through an awful lot. The staph infection really, you know, and as well as that, I suffered with depression. Right. And this is one thing that I really want to kind of make a point of saying to people when you're struggling with 
breast cancer as women. It can be very tough because, you know, not everybody understands it. And, you know, sometimes when you're in a state of depression, you're suffering from depression, you can't express yourself. Mm. And it's very important to have an advocate there for you who can help you and, you know, express to the doctors that what you can't express. Because I went through that where I couldn't express my needs to my doctors. And I think I kind of slipped through the, the cracks some bit. Mm. So I just, I, I said, you know, I just need to get myself better. So I just worked with the, you know, getting my, my body, healing my body, healing the depression. And then I, you know, I got better. I got better every year, got better and stronger. And then I made the decision last year that I would have my reconstruction done eventually. Mm -hmm. Seven years later, January 2023, I had my reconstruction. I remember. And my doctor did a wonderful job. I remember I went job. to go see my Aunt Sinead to pay my car note. And I was like, damn, what are those? <laughs> I was like, shit, girl. But that I'm glad it finally worked out after. So how many uh, years of this? How many years did we go through for that process? That was seven years. Seven years. Yeah, seven years. And now you didn't really have anyone to advocate for you so no, much. No, I didn't. But thank God, and I'm so grateful. I I'm had happy my that faith, can... and God got me through. Yes. God got me through every day. And and I'm very thankful to you for helping my mother get through because you were there for her just about every day. Um, well, and, and I wouldn't have been able to be there for her the way that you were. So, number one, that's what sisters do for each other. Right. But my sister was there for me mm -hmm, when absolutely. I was going through my hard time. She was, you know, we lived very far apart. Mm -hmm. We were, you know, she lived in Poughkeepsie, I lived in Mancisco. So she traveled as much as she could. She was working, but she spent as, all her spare time taking of care of me. All her spare time. So it goes without saying that we take care of each other. Yeah. We'll be there for each other till the end. Yes. Right? And I think another important thing to say is, you know, when women are struggling with breast cancer, we wear our scars on the inside. And people don't know that you're sick or that, you know, you're going through all this, especially... You know, even family members don't get it sometimes, you know, and it's not like you can go around and say, well, look what happened to me. It's just a very private thing. Mm -hmm. And but for me, I experienced such support from people that I haven't seen in years and would never have expected to reach out to me at that time. And it was I just reconnected with a lot of people and then. You know, in my circle of friends, there were some people that were very, very supportive. And um, it just filled my heart with joy. You know, just us women are tough. We get together two times like that because we know the deal, you know. Yeah. And I think it's great to listen to other women's experiences. Mine was totally different to Sinead. I got lucky. I Yesterday was three weeks since my surgery, you know, and poor Sinead was laid You're doing amazing. Thank you. Um, yeah, thanks to you. Yes. Thanks to Christine. She, she was she staying. <laughs> We're going to kill each other here. <laughs> Behind the scenes. Shout out to Debbie most people, Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Debbie. my number Deb. one supporter. Yes. We see you, Deb. Love you. You Capalettis are invincible. I swear to God. Unkillable <laughs> is the word. Tony, what was it? What's it like for you? Obviously, you lost your father uh, years back, and then you hear your mother has breast cancer. What was that like? Well, I knew she'd be fine. I just kind of felt that, like, it's not her time. We caught it early. Mm -hmm. She troopered right through it. It was hard parts, but, you know, like you said, Capilettis are 
We're tough to kill. <laughs> fucking invincible, I swear to God. You're going to need something stronger. Yeah. To to. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. No, I got lucky because it was caught early. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But was it, was it luck or product. was it because no. of oh, yeah, your own strength? It, was, it was, was diligence, right? Mm -hmm. You had a practice. And that's what, a message that we need to get across here today is if you're not going and getting your screenings, you better because it's the difference between going through hell and, you know, my mom pretty much ran through this, no problem. You know, it's it's hard and it's tough to lose your breasts, but it's a lot harder to lose your life. Yes. Mm -hmm. So do, do your screenings. And yes. if men can, what, what do guys do? We're just like. Ours is prostate. That's just yeah, like a common yeah. one for Check us. Check your balls. What do guys do? Can I ask some questions about the <laughs> reduction part? Sure. sure. When you said she, that you, um, your body rejected, right? What is, what has that, how does that show? What are the symptoms? Well, for me, I um, it started with the breast started turning red and then actually started turning brown like it was like dying mm -hmm. and I, I had a fever and I, I was just feeling miserable I was I just never felt so bad in my whole life and I remember literally dragging my body to the doctor's office and saying please tell me there's something wrong with me because I can't be feeling this bad for no reason and when he took that expander out it was the best you know I could feel because what happened was the I was in the hospital for 10 days and they were trying to fight the infection but the infection actually stuck to the expander because it's an alien thing inside my body mm -hmm. so that's it's going to stick to that so but the with my last reconstruction it was on my own body that was used to rebuild my breasts they'll take fat from your what is that right yeah. so what they did they they cut me from hip to hip Mm -hmm. and they fold back the skin and they'll take the fat tissue from your stomach and they'll microscopically like connect it all, it? attach it to your breasts. So it's just amazing. Talk about a double amazing. whammy. So you get a uh, <laughs> tummy tuck and big boobies? <laughs> that ain't bad. No complaints here. <laughs> that ain't bad. <laughs> mm. Only seven years of hell to pay well, for it. Well, that's it. That's yeah. it. It was a long journey. What Yes, yeah. absolutely. There is nothing There's there. There's no breast tissue left. Interesting. Yeah. And now yours were both different. So what is the main difference between the invasive and the non-induct? I don't know the exact terminology. What's the chart? major difference? I showed it already. I yeah. So the major oh, difference sorry. is Christine's was in situ, so it stayed mm -hmm. within the duct, and mine was invasive. Ductal carcinoma, so it travels without, outside the duct, so that means it traveled into the breast tissue. Mm -hmm. So they had to take the whole breast because there could have been more cancer spread around, and there was after the pathology came Got back. It. It so that means it's invasive. easier to spread. It's, it'll right. spread, yes. Mm. That's, so stage zero, it's contained, and they can take it out from so there. Is we, that stages, though? Does it go from duct to then invasive? That's mm -hmm. like the next stage? Yes, and ah, then it's stage one. Stage two, stage three. Yeah, can Got you it. tell? Can so you walk you, us through the stages and the differences? Yeah. 
<laughs> if you can or cannot, well, that's fine. I think that, yeah. you know, there. what else, the other thing that's involved are your lymph nodes. Yes. And if it travels to your nymph, lymph nodes, it could be harder for them to to remove the cancer. You right, because then it starts going everything. You're looking at it more, more, much more invasive to your body and to... Mm -hmm. And the cancer was as what it's doing to your breasts, as opposed to Sinead had stage one. You know, this is this is no cancer. Here's that. Mm -hmm. This is the cancer I had, and Sinead's was invasive. So hers was starting to travel. Yep. Sinead found hers by a lump. I didn't even have a lump. Sinead, were you getting screenings as well when I at was that point? going yearly? Okay. But I had just had my screening, and next thing I had this overwhelming fatigue for a full year, for 12 months. Mm. And it was chronic, chronic fatigue that no doctor, my blood works was coming back fine. Everything was coming back fine. They were telling me to eat properly, to sleep properly, to walk, mm -hmm. to exercise, but nothing. You know, I couldn't get rid of this, this fatigue. And eventually I found the lump. And as soon as the cancer was removed, that fatigue was gone. What a worry. Mm, that's interesting. Mm. What would you say was the hardest part of your journey? Because yours was seven years. At what point were you feeling it like oh, the most overwhelmed? The most overwhelmed, I will say when it was the depression that took over. Mm. The depression took over because after all the surgeries, they tend to have had effect on me. The the, the anesthetic had an effect on me as well. And So this is after, after both all, breasts removed. After all, both breasts removed, after all the surgeries. When I'm taking a break, trying to heal my body, I'm very, very, very low. Yeah. Mm. And I'm going undetected as being having depression. And I didn't know myself I had depression. I thought this is just, you know, this takes time to get, you take time to get better. Yeah. And I didn't know to keep reaching out to doctors saying, I'm not feeling well, I'm not feeling well. But, mm. you know, I, as I said, I didn't have, and I didn't even reach out to my sister either. Right. And as I said, she was, she was doing the best of her ability to take care of me and she did a wonderful job. But I... I kind of isolated myself then, which you do in, with depression, yeah. yes. mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So looking back and for any other women who may in the, be in the position you're in now, what would you have done differently? I would have reached out for help, reach out to my doctors, be more open, talk to your doctors, let your doctors know how you're feeling mm -hmm. and your family, be open with your family. Were you talking a lot with your other sister who had already had and gone through breast cancer? Um, you know, our lives were all kind of busy. She's in Ireland. I was mm. kind of, I just moved here at the time. I was only newly here in New York. I was only here three years at the time, trying to settle my family and get them all set. So life was busy. Okay. So I didn't. Um, but the one thing too is to share with your family and be honest with your family. Mm. I tried to protect my family mm -hmm. and I think it was to my own detriment. Right, like shielding I them from it, but mm -hmm. then you're Then they couldn't understand common, what yeah. I'm going through. You know, they, they couldn't understand. They just couldn't understand it. Yeah. yeah. And I wasn't open enough. I couldn't be open enough. It's amazing how I've always found with anything that any trauma people go through, just communicating with other people who have been through it or your family or just being open about what you're going through makes it so much easier. Yes, so you know, much easier. Like, yeah. And I found that through being an amputee and like talking to other amputees, it just makes it so much easier. So people, you gotta reach out and just mm -hmm. talk to other people who are going through your experience because we all relate. We're all kind of having the same experience uh, in, in our hardships, so. Well, we're very social creatures mm -hmm. and I feel yeah. like 
when you are talking to other people and expressing it and they're supporting you, I think it gives you a much higher chance to get through everything that's going on. Like I had a friend in, in uh, high school, Austin Heck was diagnosed with stage four brain cancer and he was the quarterback of the football team at the time. And I literally think that because of all the support, it was thousands of people were talking to him daily, going to the hospital to visit him. He survived and he's cancer free from Whoa. one of the hardest cancers overcome. And it's because like, again, all the support of those people. That's wonderful. I think that it's like, it, it, it's uplifting. It's all the difference in your healing. Yeah, it, it does. It exactly. makes such a difference. Mm -hmm. And I have to say to my experience with Vassar Brothers Hospital and the Dyson Center was amazing. I, I Absolutely amazing. When I first got there, I was assigned a team of people, doctor, plastic surgeon, oncologist, um, somebody to schedule all my appointments, a social worker to talk to if I needed. Wow. And, and they were in contact with me all the time. I couldn't believe how, how great it was. And I mentioned it to the doctor, my surgeon, the last time I went back. And she said, you know what? We can't control the fact that you walk through the store with cancer, but we can know how to treat you as a person and an individual. That's where we come in. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not just surgeons that you see the morning of the surgeon. You, you maybe go back one time. They're involved. They're very involved. Is that common? For I feel like. Well, I haven't had breast cancer before, so <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. I guess that's but I'm just true, but... saying. You know, I think when people have cancer. The doctors and the nurses tend to be very gentle with you mm -hmm. and, you know, talk a lot about it and give you support, tell you where to get groups, groups that you can go to. And again, my friends, my mm -hmm. friends, my friends were there. Mm -hmm. you know? And that's what I lacked too, because I was new to yeah. this country. Yeah. I didn't have fa f friends and family around me. Yeah. So I didn't have that love and also, I kind of kept it from a lot of people that I had breast cancer. So I didn't have that, you know, that love, that vibe of prayers that's sending mm -hmm. you healing. And yeah. mm -hmm. Christine had all that. And I could mm -hmm. see the difference right. it had on her. I right. could see, you know, she'd get phone calls from people. She'd get texts from people. And it was like, you know, I'm, I'm good. I can do this. People care about me. People love me. They want me to get better. I I want to get better for everybody. Yeah, you know, and it 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 is important. And if you know, if I know for some people, they don't know to reach out if they hear someone is diagnosed with breast cancer. They don't know whether to reach out or reach out or not to. But I would say reach out, even if it's just a text, thinking of you. You're in my prayers. Reach out yeah. because it makes yeah, everybody a difference. just wants to feel like they're cared for. Absolutely, at the end of the everybody day, everybody yeah. does, and that'll help you get through yeah. just about anything, really. Absolutely, and you had that experience. Oh, in a big way. Yes, that changed you did. my life forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't know people liked me. Oh my god, that's awesome! Wow, I'm pretty popular. <laughs> <laughs> now you are. Now you got a podcast, so now um, a lot of people like you. So when you were kind of hiding it from people, do you think it was because you didn't want to? Like, was it you were trying not to burden mm -hmm. anybody with it? It was like, I've got this. God's got me. I've got this. I I'll just, it's going to be, you know, I yeah. went to the, my first plastic surgeon and like that, it was supposed to be a three month, you know, we'll take the cancer out. We'll do the expanders, reconstruction. You'll be good in three to six months. I remember the day you called me and told me you found out it was cancer. And the thing I noticed the most was her attitude. She's like, it's okay, Christine. I got this. 
I have my faith. God's going to get Irish me. Tough Irish to get me through this. It's not going to be a problem. I think at that point, I was more upset than she was. Mm, but, you know, and we all have journeys. Sinead mm -hmm. was a very difficult journey. And uh, we had no idea what was coming. You know, mm. and that's the thing is you just have to take it as it comes. Yeah. I got lucky. Well, whatever, I went for my screening. But Sinead had an awful time. She had a really, really tough time. Yeah. Yeah, but, it, you know, it brings you to a great place. Mm -hmm. It brings you to, you know, when you go through life's challenges like that, mm. it brings you to the most wonderful, peaceful place because you fear nothing anymore. You know, mm -hmm. God God has got me through this this last seven years, and I'm I'm here to, sitting here, and I'm loving life. Yeah. You know, God, God's got me. Nothing else can take me down. Yeah. Nothing. And you, you've come back in such a strong way that you were able to be here for my mom now. Exactly. And exactly. Again, I'm very grateful for that. So thank you. You're welcome, Tony. How do I get hair like Capoletti Sue? Is that good hair? <laughs> Yes, it did. And that means everything. It Aww. does. It does. Don't make me cry, Debbie. <laughs> love you, Debbie. <laughs> we do Thank love you, Debbie. Thank you for your support. Yes, yeah, seriously. All of you. You're always doing something for the Capilates. Yes, she is. <laughs> love you, Joe. All right. How did your stage one and your stage zero fare compared to Anne Chabon's? What was her situation? And Siobhan was stage three and she needed chemotherapy and radiation and she had a long, tough journey. She had, you know, hers was the uh, the toughest, you know, one of the toughest stages that you have to deal with. And again, we didn't have to have radiation or, or chemotherapy, chemotherapy, which makes a huge yeah. difference in your recovery. Yeah. A huge bless. difference. You know, I should have mentioned that because yeah. I didn't experience that. But that makes a huge difference in your healing process and recovery too. What, what, Christine, when you talked to us about it, you were like, you know, really, really like happy that you didn't have to go through the chemotherapy yes. radiation. Why? What did you hear about that? Okay, so you know, I had an option of getting a lumpectomy, which meant that I would have to have radiation, and. My immediate response to that was, oh, God, I don't really want to have radiation. You know, there are long-time side effects. And when I mentioned it to my family, to my boys, they were dead set against it. They're like, Ma, we don't want you to have radiation. And um, also, there's a pill that most breast cancer survivors take, uh, like tamoxifen. Mm -hmm. And it's a hormone treatment because we lose the estrogen. And... That has terrible side effects on it. My sister had to take that, my sister in Ireland. And, you know, it, it kind of attacks your bones and various other things. And I did not want that. And thank God I didn't have to take that treatment either. Yeah. Two questions. When, so the surgery, what was it, lymph what? Or what's the surgery called? The one where you have to have radiation? A, a lumpectomy. Lumpectomy. Is the pro to that that you get to keep your breast? Yeah, but you'd have Got to it. have the radiation. Got it. Um, and the second thing, when your your breast produced the estrogen in all your in your body? No, your your home your ovaries produce estrogen. Okay, I was going to say we we have the estrogen to 
t- testosterone as well. Yeah. But the it the medication they put you on it stops the estrogen because the estrogen is what feeds the cancer mm-hmm. oh. in some diagnosis. Oh. Like my diagnosis, it was estrogen fed. And so, so was Christine's. Ah, oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So they stopped they, the estrogen. Did they give you a any? sort of like a, a diagnosis of where it came from other than no. estrogen no no i guess there's different types but they knew that ours were estrogen driven hmm. you know that's interesting yeah do you know so, if prostate cancer is testosterone driven do i know if it yeah. is i assume it is same thing. yeah it's assumed it's to do with the same hormones though yeah huh men can get breast cancer too yeah yeah extremely rare Absolutely. though no I assume I, I think it's rare rarer than women, but yeah. yeah, they can. What is the uh, 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 survivability? Um, I guess it's not the survival right word. Rate. Survival rate. Survival rate. Yeah, sorry for someone with stage zero compared to your sister with stage three. Huge. Yeah, Absolutely I would imagine stage huge. three is like. Can we look up statistics, Jamie? Jamie, that's a good question. I'd like to know the answer to that. Yeah. Stage zero, one, two. How, what's is it? Stage four is the highest. Yes. Okay, so wow, she was stage three, one from. Was she going regularly for screenings? You know. At the time, I believe it's it was just a three year screening. Oh, wow. uh, that was the that's the screening time in Ireland. Mm. It's every three years. Did, did we talk about um, the screening? Ninety eight. The mammogram, it's not really that uncomfortable. I mean, you know, they have to they have to really get in there and you know to get that image. And it's something we go through, women. We just we do it. We just do that. We have to do it, you know, as part of our screening. My mom always says it's like it hurts. Yeah, I I, it does. I found it hurt. It used to hurt me. I don't I have to say it was never so bad where I was like, you know. And that's why women avoid it's very Maybe. uncomfortable, yeah, and it's you kind of have to put your body in a very awkward position so that they can put the machine machine up against you and they 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 squeeze your breast really tight, <laughs> oh, just yeah. to give them an idea. I know, they know what I'm I mean. not laughing at that. Michaela but hates when I do that. <laughs> <laughs> I get yelled at very often. The, but they put it; it's right up against your chest, and then it squeezes. The survival rate. For stage zero is 98%. Wow. The survival rate for stage four is 28%. Oof, yeah. That's the difference. It's mm-hmm. terrible. That's crazy. Yeah. And if you get your screening, you can prevent that. Yeah. It's all timing. My last question. What about like the, the um, emotional roller coaster of this specifically breast cancer being that like a lot of other cancers are sort of invisible, right? Someone has lung cancer, you don't know. Like, right. But then when you have to do radiation or chemo you are gonna as a woman you're gonna lose your hair yeah and then your breasts like things that are like part of um, your identity you a woman, i guess like on the outside so like what is that like is there a- i think that you have to be for me before i went for the surgery first of all i had met my surgeons and my reconstructive surgery which was partially done the same day and I had such a rapport with them that I trusted them. Going in that morning, I totally trusted the doctors. And the other thing was, it took me a long time to make that decision as to getting a bilateral uh, mastectomy, that I had to accept it before I did it. When I did. 
Yeah, because it was either, you know, vanity or your life, yeah. right? Yes. So it was an easy decision. And they're to great make. today. And you, yeah, exactly. You can get new yeah. ones. Now, did they, for people who don't know, do they remove the nipple? I had to have mine removed, mm -hmm. yes. But sometimes they don't have to. Shanae I had didn't. nipple sparing. Nipple sparing. Mm -hmm. Okay. They do great tattoos. It depends. <laughs> get a spider web. <laughs> Ma, you're not getting spider it webs. depends on every everyone is so different. Every situation mm -hmm. is so different. Depends where the cancer is. It depends what stage it is. It you know depends on the size of your breasts. It depends on so many different things. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So what do they do for the nipple when they're removed and they're gone? Well, you can get a tattoo. It's actually a tattoo. Yeah. I think they do a 3D tattoo. Yeah, it looks real. If you saw a picture, you couldn't tell. Really? I've researched it. <laughs> that's that's crazy. That's crazy. And then what about like, forgive me, but what about like, so the expanders you said you had, right? Like, is that, um, like, how do they, like, with the reconstruction, like, well, what they do is, I just had this three weeks ago, so what they did is they put the expanders in. They almost look like um, the implants, but they have these little things around them that they actually sit, stitch them into your chest. And then what happens is, you know, they, they put all the skin back together, put the expander in, and then... Once a week, I get injections of saline, which will expand the expander, you know, and they'll keep doing that until I'm comfortable with the size that I want. And they then remove those and put an implant that, at that size. Yeah. Or I can also do what my sister did, which I, ha I have to make a decision on that, and I haven't yet, which is called the flap, where, again, they take the fat from your stomach and build a breast. I would assume that's safer than putting some foreign in your body. It's major surgery, though. Oh. It is major, major surgery. The, the healing process is a lot harder. Mm. Um, and again, it depends. I guess you you talk to your doctor about that yeah. and whatever. You it's a personal decision, too, I think, if you have that. Um, and I'm not going to have my reconstructive surgery until February. So I have till February to decide. To decide. Mm-hmm. Couple months. Mm-hmm. Good decision though. Yeah, it is. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> congratulations to you too for your reconstructive surgery. I know what I, I know what's ahead of me. No. Yeah. It's nice. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Debbie. All right, well listen. What do you, if you had one message to anyone out there going through breast cancer, what would it be? Get screened. Go get for screened. your appointments. Don't miss your appointments. You know, if you have a family history, talk to your doctor about it. Let him know that the cancer is in the family. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, I had two sisters with it, so I had to go every six months. Everybody is different. Maybe you have to go once a year, but don't miss your appointments. Go to your appointments. When I found out I had cancer six months prior, it wasn't there. Right. You know, so that made a difference for me. So that's what I would say. And what about you, Shana? I would say if you discover you have breast cancer, surround yourself with as much friends and family as you can. Mm -hmm. And 
you'll get through it. The doctors are wonderful. You know, things are great now with the medic- medicine is wonderful. But just surround yourself with friends and family. Mm-hmm. Do you have something? I, I don't know. I think that, again, like Sinead mentioned, it's a journey and these things do change you. Mm-hmm. You know, when you experience stuff like this, regardless, I mean, I still had a treatment, regardless of the fact that it was stage zero, you know, Sinead's was stage one. But, you know, you still go through all that fear. And like Sinead said, you know, family and friends. But the screening for me would be the most important thing, like I said. Like, I can't say that enough. Yeah. All right. Well, I think my message out there is love and be loved. Yes. I like that one. I love that one. <laughs> okay, right, ladies. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for sharing Thank you, story. guys. Thank, thank you for you. coming. I love you guys. And I don't know why, this is my message, I don't know why the NFL stopped doing the Breast Cancer Awareness Month, where everyone used to wear pink. Do you remember that? Yeah. Everyone used to wear pink. Well, they, Now they, nobody they, has pink anymore. No, a couple guys had pink socks. Yeah, but it used to be like a thing. Everyone wore pink, yeah. and they donated billions of dollars because everyone would buy pink for the month of October. Why did they go away with that?